So again, it's Mark chapter 1. We're going to read verses 14 and 15. This is what the scripture records. And after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As we dive into the scriptures this morning, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you that you are the only way that uh, this has been sustained. We thank you that this morning we are not gathered um, around anything else other than you, Jesus. We ask that, Holy Spirit, you would come and move and work in this time. That our hearts would be undone by you. I pray right here and right now, we pray right here and right now as a community together. That if this is still of you, Jesus, would it flourish? And Jesus, if we have drifted from you, would it fail? Your presence this morning is all that we want. Would you reveal to us your heart? Would you show us your glory? Would you draw us further into yourself? We love you. It's our delight to know you, to commune with you. We give you all glory. It's in your mighty name, Jesus. All the beloved said, amen, amen. This is a wild moment that we just read. Uh, Let's not gloss over it together as a community. Uh, These are regarded as the first public words of Jesus' ministry. Uh, Before this, though, I like to consider them the lost tape years. Uh, We've got the birth narrative of Jesus, of course. Uh, The angels announcing his coming into the world. The God-man putting on skin and bone. Uh, We have well-documented accounts of those passages, and a lot of us are familiar with them. Uh, And then... We have this teeny tiny window to look into in the boyhood of Jesus. It's seen in chapter 2 of Luke. And Jesus, he's in the temple, the Bible records, and there in Jerusalem for the Passover. Uh, but other than that, other than the birth narrative of Jesus and that little moment of his boyhood, uh, it's silence basically for the next 30 years after his birth. A complete silence. And together this morning... Let's lean into how crazy this is. Because you see, all of history marched towards this moment. Uh, The Messiah to invite us back into the garden again. All of the biblical texts before this point to Jesus. Everything is created for him, found in him. All of creation has been longing for Jesus to come into the world and redeem it. He is born, prophecies are coming true, lineage is unfolding before our eyes, heaven is stepping into earth, and then poof, 30 years of silence. No mention from Jesus, nothing to see from the Savior, no accounts, no nothing. Until Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Are you with me? These are some Pretty important words if these are the ones that Jesus chooses. This must be the invitation of all invitations if this is what Jesus says. The one whose God's fullness is pleased to dwell. The one who every other biblical author points us towards. The one who bears the cross, conquers death, and invites humanity to life again. The one who is coming back. The one who was there at the beginning. The one who joyfully steps out of heaven. The one who holds all things together. He opens his mouth. And the first public thing he says to begin his ministry, to begin the redemption plan for all of humanity, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. At last, 
the fulfillment of the age has come. It is God's kingdom here and now to be experienced in fullness. Turn your lives back to God and put your trust in the hope-filled gospel. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So often as the body of Christ, we live lives that really readily and easily move past this for what we believe to be deeper waters. Often the church wants to swim in man-made streams. Could I encourage us this morning? There aren't deeper waters than this invitation from Jesus. There is no stream that satisfies other than this announcement from Jesus. There is no graduating beyond those words from Jesus. There is no greater calling, greater vision, greater mission than those words from Jesus. There is no other way for the love of the living God to be known where it is not currently known unless you and I first live into those words from Jesus with all of our hearts. What's the vision for Heart Church in year three? How is it going to unfold? What are we going to cling to? The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The time is fulfilled. There is no more wandering or waiting or hoping for someone else or something else. No more rule following or law abiding. What we are all searching for is found in Jesus. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's not coming. It's not something to prepare for. It's not tomorrow or later or next week or next month or next year. It's here and now. Repent. Turn from your old life. And be found in the life that Jesus is offering. What is that life? Believe in the gospel. The good news that this Jesus, by his life, death, burial, and resurrection has made way. The only way. For anyone and everyone to be welcomed home again into perfect relationship with the one true God who made us and absolutely loves us. Man, you know what I love most about the first words of Jesus to the world? How simple they are. You know what bothers me? How Christians complicate them. You know what I love most about the first words of Jesus to the world? How life-altering they are. You know, it confuses me. How many Christians are bored of them? You know what I love most about the first words of Jesus to the world? How they are for anyone and everyone. You know what I hate the most? How often I choose to exclude people that I don't think are worthy. How often that I hurry past these words and try to live into the deeper waters that I've made up in my mind rather than plumbing the depths of the gospel and coming alive in the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, you know what I love most about the first words of Jesus to the world? How personal they are. But you know what makes me bummed? How often I want someone else to repent, rather than maybe even just for a moment realizing that maybe I, just me, need to be found in joyful repentance. How I should be undone by the gospel that's for me. The cross that's for me. The love that's for me. The life that's for me. You know what I love most about the first words of Jesus to the world? How it's fully dependent on him. You know what I hate? How much I make it about my striving. About my efforts. 
about my good deeds, about my good works, about my plans and my visions and my pride and myself. But you know what I love most about the first words of Jesus? To the whole world. He never stops inviting me. He never stops, not even for a moment, even when I fail over and over and over again, Jesus never stops inviting me into this truth. That the time is fulfilled. He is everything the world is looking for. The kingdom of God is at hand. He is the kingdom here and now. And he promises to draw me and you deeper into his reality moment by moment as we follow him. That repentance is my joy. Because believing in the gospel has changed everything about my life. These words, this moment, this announcement from the lips of Jesus, this invitation from the mouth of the Messiah, oh, it should change everything about us. Because Jesus, he more often hands out new identity rather than rules and regulations. Yes, Jesus invites us into a completely and totally new way to live. And yes, it has massive implications on what we should do and how we should do it. But before all that, Jesus, he hands out new identity. That's why this verse has such power. The time being fulfilled, the kingdom here and now, repentance and the gospel truth. It's all about renewal, redemption, recreation, reborn. Not things we do, but identity we embody. And that identity, it enables us now to do the things that by the power of the Holy Spirit whom we've been given because of the identity that we now carry in Christ Jesus, we can actually love like he loves, live like he loves, be found having joy and peace that surpasses all understanding. That it's identity that we embody. That's Jesus with our boy Nicodemus. You must be born again. It's found in the scriptures in the pages of the Gospel of John, chapter 3, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with them. Jesus answered him, Truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. What's Jesus saying in this moment? If you want the kingdom of God, if you want to come alive in the truth that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom is here now, if you really want to repent and believe in the gospel and allow it to become all of your life, you must be born again by the Spirit. You must have a new spirit put within you, that of the Holy Spirit. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit to all who believe, remember? It's recorded in John 14. The Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Or later in Acts chapter 1 when Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Witnesses of what? That the time is fulfilled. That the kingdom of God is at hand. And to invite anyone and everyone, not into a set of rules or regulations or a silly religion. No. But rather, that we as the church would have divine remembrance that our power comes from repentance. Just like Jesus taught us. 
Repenting and believing in the gospel, the gospel that gives new identity and to invite anyone and everyone to come alive in it as well. Are you with me? The new identity as sons and daughters of God, reborn by the Spirit. That's Peter as he points us back to the truth that we've been born again to a living hope. It's recorded in 1 Peter. Blessed be the God, our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Living hope that leads us to an inheritance because of the identity we carry. That's the early church born again by the Spirit and not the law. That's supposed to be us born again into Christ Jesus as co-heirs in the kingdom. Jesus. Oh, he hands out new identity. Yahweh. He hands out new names. That's Abram. Remember in the Old Testament? God changes his name to Abraham. Why? Because God was going to give him a new inheritance. That's Simon, you know, our New Testament fisherman friend. The man who Jesus says he's going to build the church. Jesus changed his name to Peter. Because in that new identity, the church is to be reborn. That's Saul to Paul. So that not just the Jews, but also the Gentiles can come alive in the gospel and experience adoption into the family of God. And my personal favorite, self-proclaimed John John to the one whom Jesus loved. And that becomes all of our reality. That becomes all of our new identity. Beloved, what we learn from each one of these people is that we've been given a new name. That's the new creation passage in 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Are you living like that's true? That you're a new creation in Christ Jesus? When the enemy starts to bring up your past, do you remind him, no, 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 I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. It's like someone going to where you used to live and banging on the door and hoping you come out. You don't live there anymore. Are you living into the truth that you're a new creation in Christ Jesus? That's the child of God passage in Romans. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Are we living like it's true? It's not stuff we do. It's who we are. Do we live like it's who we are? Do we live like the power of the church is not what we do, but the power of the church is who we are because of the power comes from whom we know? And Jesus, all throughout the narrative of Scripture, he hands out new names, new stories, and new identity to anyone who would come to him, turn from their life, and come alive into his gospel. New identity embodied and experienced daily. Not just cheap lip service, identity you carry, not just things you do. But identity that goes with you because Christ is in you. So often in our lives, in the body of Christ, we move past this because we believe that there are deeper waters. That often the church wants to swim in man-made streams, making it about things we do rather than whose we are. But could you imagine if the God-man was inviting us to come alive in things that we do? 
pretty trivial. But man, could you imagine the God-man inviting humanity to come alive in a new identity as a son or daughter of the Most High God? To come alive in the truth that the time has been fulfilled, the kingdom is here and now, and the invitation is to repent and daily be found alive in the gospel? Well, that's not trivial at all. That sounds like life and life to the full. But what are we more excited about? Trying to get people to do things for God? Trying to get ourselves to do things for God? Or instead coming alive in the love of God as fully seen in Christ Jesus? Do you know today that it's his delight to love you? Do you know today that the time has been fulfilled? That the kingdom of God is at hand? And that the gospel is still more alive than ever? Is the church today living by the power of the Holy Spirit? Or still drinking from man-made streams? That's the invitation to us from Jesus later on in John chapter 7. The Bible records on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone is thirsty... Let them come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of their heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. Out of their hearts will flow rivers of living water. Well, it doesn't feel like it, you might think. Well, are we believing in him as the scripture has said? Are we believing in him as the scripture has said? Or does he just feel good? Just friend? Just a set of theories or ideas? Or is he Savior and Lord? If Jesus is just a friend to know, which he is, or if he's just God among us, which is certainly true if he just has good advice, which he absolutely does, but is not Lord of heaven and earth, then all hope is lost. Do we believe in him? As the scripture has said, that the time is fulfilled because its fullness is found in him. That the kingdom is here and now because he's the king of the kingdom of heaven and earth. And it is his joy to invite anyone and everyone to come and delight in his lordship. And that repentance is our way of coming alive and receiving the grace that he has bought for us by way of his cross. And that the gospel is not just story, but the only truth and offer of real, full, and everlasting life. Do you and I, do we believe in him as the scripture has said? Oh man, I want to. I want that. I want out of my heart to flow rivers of living water. Are you with me? Come and drink, he says to us. Come and drink daily from the truth of the gospel and this will be our reality. But what does that really look like? That's the next verse. This Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, who was to be given. Out of our heart should flow rivers of living water. Out of heart church should flow a move of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way we live into this. That's how it is in our heart as it is in heaven. The Holy Spirit must lead us, guide us, and be like a river flowing from us, giving life and nutrients to anyone and everyone it comes in contact with. Praise God that it's not up to us. We simply just repent and believe in the gospel. But we got to come to Jesus and drink. And we got to realize that when we do, 
The Holy Spirit and His moving, workings, signs, wonders, and power should be evident in our lives. New identity, new spirit in you, Holy Spirit residence within you. And man, oh man, it is then and only then it becomes natural and normal for us to live a life that looks and loves like Jesus. That we love people like Jesus loves people. Do you know this morning that the Holy Spirit isn't weird? That Jesus promises us the Spirit and says that it is by the power of the Spirit that we will be His disciples and living water known as gospel love will flow from us. That the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Do we know that if we were to gather all of the intellect in this room right now, that if we were to gather and muster up all of the smarts in the here and now of all of us and gather up all of our kind wishes and wonderful motivations on our very best days, that if we were to smash them all together, put them all together, all of our intellect and all of our kind motives, that it wouldn't compare to the impact one move of the Holy Spirit would have on someone's life. Do we know that the church is empty of power? Empty of love if it is not filled with the Holy Spirit. That Jesus says, all people will know you are my disciple by the way you love one another. And we cannot love. There are no streams of living water that the kingdom that is here and now and the gospel that changes everything cannot be evident in our lives. If the Spirit is not evident in our lives. Do you know this morning that the Holy Spirit isn't weird? That the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That's what the scripture says. Do we live like it's true? I was talking with one of my best friends in the whole world the other night. And we were talking about the gospel and just wanting people to know it and come alive in it. And then we started talking about the Holy Spirit and how really that's the only way anything happens. And then we shared, mutually shared Well, man, it seems like when the church starts to dabble in the Spirit, things get a little funky. Things get weird. Like people are going to start casting spells and handling snakes, and it's going to be all like expecto patronum up in here or something. (laughs) That was a Harry Potter spell. I apologize. That was a little out of pocket. Big fan of the wizarding world. But sometimes, in all honesty, I think we mix human error with Holy Spirit power. And as we were talking, I know this might sound very, very simple, but it was like divine revelation of this truth. The Holy Spirit isn't weird. People in inaccurate ways might be weird, but not the Holy Spirit. Jesus says to his church that by the power of the Holy Spirit, the world will come to know the gospel. And I want to encourage us as a community together. I believe that there are signs and wonders ahead in year three. I believe that the living God who absolutely loves you, delights in you, loves me, delights in me, loves them and delights in them. I believe that this Jesus wants his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. I believe that Jesus wants people to come alive in the gospel and have their lives transformed forevermore. I believe that the darkness is no match for the light of Christ Jesus. I believe that that toddler that does not know love is going to come to know it. That the single mom or single dad who has no strength 
they're going to find strength in Christ Jesus. That that marriage that everyone says is too far gone is going to be reconciled by the power of the Holy Spirit. That freedom is going to come from all of those addictions that we carry. That wounds will be healed. That chaos will be ordered. I believe that perfect love will be known. Are you with me? But if we want to participate, we must be found living by the power of the Holy Spirit. We must be found repenting and believing in the gospel. And we must be found inviting anyone and everyone to come and drink. Not from a system called church, but from a God whose name is Jesus. Let's pray together this morning. Lord God, we thank you that your first words to the world are so simple. That your first words to the world are such an invitation to the world. To me, the broken, the sinner. To us, an imperfect community. To anyone and everyone. We ask that right here and right now, Holy Spirit, you would move in us. That we would have divine revelation from you. The one true and living God. That there is power within us when we repent and believe in the gospel. When we say simply connected to you, step by step following you. We thank you that right here and right now this morning, the wounds that we carry, you promise you can heal. The heavy burden that is on us, you promise to give us a light and easy yoke. The death that feels like it's swelling within our heart, you promise to give us your lasting and eternal life. So we ask right here and right now today as a community together, that you would shape us into people, people who believe in you as the scripture has said, people who have hearts that out of us flow rivers of living water, people who are known for only one thing, that is your presence, people who are marked with your spirit. So would you transform us? Would you have your way with us? Would we joyfully live into repentance together as a community? Realize that you are not weird, but you're the living God who absolutely loves us. Would we be undone by you today? Would we be undone by you tomorrow? Oh, we surrender all things to you. We thank you that all things are for you and from you. We give you all the glory here and now. It's in your mighty name, Jesus, all the beloved said. Amen.